a playlist original. Welcome to Tech Girl Talks, a podcast about everything esports and gaming. My name is Sam Tech Girl Wright. I'm your host, and for this season, we're focusing on Counter Strike. <laughs> Heji is possibly one of my really good friends in the esports scene. I think that's how I would describe her. But more importantly, she is also an incredible Counter-Strike analyst. She works on broadcasts around Europe and she was a professional Counter-Strike player. She played competitively for a long while and has such immense insights into the game. I wanted to chat to Heji today because one of the things that comes up a lot is these conversations around all women's leagues. Heji and I met working ESL Impact and, and I thought it would just be interesting to ask her some of the questions that maybe even I have about the, the validity of women's leagues and what she thinks about them overall, as well as how they possibly benefit up and coming young female players. So this is what Heji had to say. And then we also deviated completely as we do uh, to talk about random things that have nothing to do with esports or Counter-Strike. I always find it interesting. I mean, this is a question. It's, I always think it's a boring question, if I'm honest, because I think like everyone starts their interviews with this question. But in your case, I do think that I'm going to ask it. And that is, how did you get into competitive Counter-Strike? What was it that made you wake up one day and go, I'm going to go, you know, run around and enter some competitions while I'm doing this, playing this game? It was uh, random, I think, because uh, I was just playing uh, mostly on AMOPs and uh, just public uh, aim servers at matching and really having a lot of fun doing that. And then I uh, realized that the, the player that was top ragging on the enemy side was also a girl. And we were bonding over that experience and there's hey, we're really good at this game. Can we make a team and uh, go and compete? So that's uh, really how it got started. That was back in, in uh, 1.6. 1.6 already, so that was where you were at. It's interesting when you said you were bonding with with another girl, because I mean that's the thing, right? You don't often you don't often find other women online playing the same games as you, because uh, a lot of the time they're muting their mics and things. So was that really the thing that got you kind of into it? Was going, oh cool, we can compete, but I can compete with other women. Uh, I was already had uh, kind of developed a uh, big love for for the game, and of course we had. Uh, a female uh, uh, team in Norway that I kind of was following and uh, we, we had uh, I believe uh, Cassidy and Miss Hyper who was playing for one of the best female teams in the world, the Souls and uh, yeah I had some role models to, to look up to and uh, it was uh, like a kind of a big community where uh, we in Norway we had this uh, uh, kind of Facebook for for uh, gamers, which was called uh, Catch Gamer, and uh, this community was like it was brilliant because you could connect with people on IRC and and have people to to play with. But uh, my drive to to try to play competitively and actually play with a team in in, in tournaments it didn't come until I actually found other girls to to play with. Well, what's interesting is, I mean, you then went on and, and you're recognized as this sort of professional Counter-Strike player. You got to travel the world playing in different tournaments and, and experiencing being on live stages. What was that like? Uh, playing on stage was always a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, I think we were very fortunate as well in 
uh, in uh, 1.6 we had to do everything and get all the fundings ourselves there was no uh, we didn't have any backing from a big organization i did end up joining that full norwegian female team uh, met uh, <laughs> i met um, in a two versus two competition they've been hired to by uh, their sponsor to to come to to this little town that I was living in and uh, there was a lot of event there i played the uh, two versus two female competition with my best friend who's also played a lot of uh, Counter-Strike so we obviously were destroying everyone because you know they just wanted to promote this uh, game to, to girls and found like uh, random people and girls that was on the lawn and asked them to come and play so <laughs> after the, the tournament they they uh, they came and asked me if I wanted to try out for them and which I did and uh, yeah, that was the start of it. I actually got, uh, what's it called, um, like leave from uh, high school to go and boot camp. And <laughs> before we were playing at ESWC, uh, that was super cool. So my first kind of experiences with uh, traveling was we had boot camp in, in Stockholm and we did travel to ESWC uh, twice. Had uh, some uh, tournament as well on, on Dreamhack uh, uh, in Jönköping, which was uh, brilliant. But, uh, you know, of course, later it's been uh, a lot more. I think my best experience was uh, we had uh, qualified for ESWC when it was in Montreal. And then we went straight from Montreal to play at Dreamhack in uh, Valencia after. We played the Bioc tournaments, which I think was brilliant. We had a very nice uh, sponsor, Intel, who uh, had a couple of female teams, so among them was, I believe, CLG Red. And uh, they really uh, championed for us to be able to travel around on different uh, events that they were sponsoring, uh, playing uh, not necessarily in the tournament, but playing on the event itself, uh, doing shootouts at uh, the Intel booth and uh, wrecking the spectators of the tournament. I love how excited you get when you talk about wrecking people. You're just like, we were wrecking yeah. everyone here. We were wrecking spectators. That's that's like that's a competitive spirit that you've got going on. Then you transition into sort of a casting analyst role. How did that happen? Uh, well, I was still playing uh, when I first got approached to, to doing this sort of uh, work. And it was actually for... Uh, Norwegian uh, TV, TV channel, TV2, who wanted to start up an esports uh, project. Uh, so they at first inquired if I had any, uh, if I had any ideas. Uh, they, they had headquarters in the city that I was living in, and they asked me to come for an interview, just to to pick my brain about uh, who who to potentially hire and onboard for this project if I had any recommendations and uh, after this uh, kind of initial talks they offered me to come work for them uh, on the project full time I was uh, playing and I was having uh, still doing my my bachelor's uh, degree so I actually I declined and said I could still work with them but uh, freelance so I did that for two years uh, and uh, it was great, got a lot of experience doing it in Norwegian. And then uh, the international, uh, I would say, 
kind of uh, how I ventured into that was, of course, the Impact League. I quit playing uh, professionally the, this uh, this year at the beginning of the of the year, and uh, I had a few months where I was thinking like what. Uh, not really just enjoying the retirement I would say but then I figured like you know what I got signed by an um, uh, agency and then I thought about it like oh, I just it just struck me like I I need to be involved <laughs> in the impact league somehow right because this is uh, this is what I've been dreaming about uh, ever since I started playing as a, as a little girl you know to, to have this professional circuit and uh, if if I can't, I'm not going to be playing in it, but I need to be involved in it, in it somehow. And uh, I have not regretted that uh, decision to, to say it like that. So we got to work together on ESL Impact in Valencia. So obviously for someone who's watching or listening, ESL Impact is an all-woman CSGO league that ESL runs through Europe, America, South America. And why is something like ESL Impact, as, as a female player, why is ESL Impact so important? Uh, I think it, the, main, uh, the main reason, I believe, is because when you are an uh, esport organization, what you're looking at when you, if you are going to invest in, in a female team is the reach and the viewership. And, and it, it, this is an investment, right? You need to be able to see some some sort of a return on that investment, and the the reach and the 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 way that the impact league can can really uh, hit a, a broad audience. It it uh, shows to the to be major organizations that uh, this is a project that they can uh, have some sort of return on their investment. Uh, very few. Uh, I think very few, very few organizations want to just have a female team in order to support the female scene, sad as it uh, is to, to say that. Uh, but uh, for the female uh, teams and for the female players, the amount of uh, visibility that they've been able to gain through impact, showcasing the skill level of the female teams, and uh, getting their their names out there and and enabling them to get picked up by these major organizations. We have big coming early, Navi coming early, uh, CLG is uh, state. Is, they have a say, kind of a <laughs> they've been here forever, right? But uh, also see seeing evil geniuses uh, sign a team, and uh, Astralis and NYP. Like I would. A few years ago, I would never have even imagined that being a possibility, to, to be honest. So to have the female teams uh, uh, able to, to sign with organizations and get enough structure and support from uh, big brands like they have now, I think that is uh, certainly the key to, to propelling the, the female scene forward. So what's interesting, obviously, is online, there's always a lot of conversation um, about women's leagues. And like I sometimes speak to players and and they feel it's not fair. They feel that, you know, the, the women players now, ironically, with like an impact, they're like, oh, but they get more than us and they get signed to big teams. And it's, you know, it's, it's not fair. They need to prove themselves in the mixed leagues. And like the, the reason I wanted to chat to you is because I feel like you're someone who 
who can actually answer these questions honestly because you've played competitively, you've worked as an analyst. Like, why is it different? Like, this is my thing. Why do we need a women's league? And and maybe, I mean, I have my answer, but the reason I've got you here is to give yours. Why do you think it's important for women's only leagues, if you like, to exist? I think it's to to balance out and and the the player pool really, and to show to uh, to new upcoming female players who's just starting to to play that there is a future in this for for them if they they really put in the hours, put in the work, that they they can have the same success as as the guys can have. Uh, the main main reason why this is kind of a skewed in favor of the guys right now is because of course uh, way back when like the 80s or something video games they were put in the men, uh, boys section in in the toy stores and uh, that signaling to to kids and uh, to the adults as well that video games that's something for for the boys uh, when i started playing there wasn't a lot of girls uh, playing at all we had a very inclusive uh, um, community for uh, esports for gaming in uh, my hometown where I, where I grew up and there was a space for me to to start like getting to know this kind of uh, hobby I would call it in the beginning uh, but for for girls today if you're gonna have uh, if you're thinking about having a full female team uh, play and compete against the male team this has happened in many tournaments uh, most of the female teams, they practice against the uh, male team for the most, mostly. They play in uh, open qualifiers. They play they play also these open tournaments, uh, right? But if you have thousand, uh, if you have 1,000 guys uh, who's playing, maybe you have one girl. Uh, and if you're thinking about it just from a statistical uh, point of view, of course, it's going to make sense that these uh, statistical anom uh, anomalies that are these super super talented player like like we have simple Monsi and, and so forth that's going to be even more difficult to find in the player pool of the female players and to then also have five of them and put them together uh, very very difficult so until we have a sort of a 50-50 you know, the the fifty fifty between the the player pool of the the girls and the guys, I think we still have uh, maybe not all the way until fifty fifty, but we have to have this sort of uh, offer uh, that the female players can say, okay, it's going could be worthwhile in the end, uh, in order to to just expand the female player pool really. So this is the, the controversial conversation, uh, which I do think I warned you about. So I wanted to ask, uh, in terms of like the, the concept of, you know, we should all play in mixed teams, which is obviously something that gets discussed a lot. There are, there are some female players that I honestly think have the potential to move into maybe a, a tier two or a tier three team and kind of get the experience that they need. And during Valencia, I had a, com a conversation with one of the other analysts and I mentioned this. I said, you know, that there was a particular player. I mean, I still remember... I won't mention the player's name because I don't want anything put on them. But I, I said, this player, they could be in a, a mixed team. They could play in sort of the, it's not the boys' leagues, but the mixed leagues. And and the other analyst said, yeah, but the problem is, is that she won't get paid as much if she's playing in a tier two, tier three team. She makes more money. 
in the all-female team, she's going to stay in the all-female team. Now, I completely understand getting that bread. I understand that we all have to pay rent. But is that a, do you think that that's something we should be concerned about? That maybe that talent that could potentially walk onto a major one day is being restricted because they're staying somewhere where it's a good, it's a good living and it's, it's a safe space? Uh, honest, if I'm going to be all, uh, completely honest about this, I think that uh, if you're a female player and you have the opportunity to get signed by, a, let's say, a tier 3, tier 2 uh, male team, let's put it like that, the, <laughs> you should be paid more because you're going to be making, first and foremost, you're going to be making history, you're going to be the first female to compete, which gives, uh, which would give you a lot of pressure, right? But I don't think that uh, the there's the money is necessarily the the main uh, factor that's restricting or not limiting uh, female players to break into to a male team. I think it's uh, uh, perhaps more attitude from uh, from uh, the male teams themselves. There was a project, not gonna mention which players that uh, was supposed to to do this. But uh, there's been some, some years ago, had a couple of the best female players in the world. And uh, they, they had a plan to start up a mixed team alongside uh, three guys. And I think at the last, uh, last minute, the uh, main sponsor of this project backed out, meaning that it didn't, uh, it didn't uh, come alive after all, which was uh, really sad. We have had... Uh, we have had, uh, uh, I remember one player who did uh, start up just playing SA with her friends, really. She put in so much work and they managed to climb up the ranks. And uh, I think uh, uh, that's also something that's possible. You start out with uh, a group of friends or people that you find talented, pugging with and screaming with. You, you can certainly climb your way up uh, together. But uh, for, for me personally, uh, it was more about this is, this is my, these are my friends, this is my, my co-workers. I feel, uh, I feel home here, I feel safe here. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't think uh, financial, uh, uh, the financial side of things is necessarily what is uh, keeping female players from uh, competing with uh, within a male lineup or mixed uh, team. That's why I wanted to ask you because I was like, "Hey, you will give me the real answer." So we got to <laughs> break it down. I know how you go. I mean, have you have you ever have you ever thought when you were competing? Have you ever looked at at getting a mixed team together? Was that something you wanted to do or? Is it just easy? And I mean, this is the thing. I think only women really understand why it's easier to play in a team with all women. It can be pretty difficult to explain this to a man. But I mean, was that for you the decision of, I would rather just have fun with my friends and like you said, in a safe space? Or did you consider going the mixed team route? Uh, I had a venture with uh, where I was playing with some guys. But... Uh... It, uh, it didn't it, it never felt the same right of course the uh, you i i don't think i really considered it as a, like a fully 
kind of the same. There, there wasn't the same amount of dedication, and uh, because these guys that I was playing with, they were, you know, they were working, studying. They were not prioritizing, uh, practicing <laughs> five hours uh, every day. It was mostly just for fun, right? So when you have that competitive aspect, when you have uh, tournaments uh, to play, and you really want to like get <laughs> get in there and uh, try to to win, then uh, that's uh, at least for me. It was something I always could do. I always felt like I had a shot of winning when I was playing on a female team. Whereas uh, with my like mixed team of friends, uh, it was more like, "Hey, we're gonna play uh, whatever." But it wasn't. It didn't feel like the the same sort of uh, level, really. You wanted. I like that. You wanted to compete. You wanted to win. That's the the thing. So you put together the best possible team. Is it weird for you? I mean, I'm asking you all these questions and I know the answers, but I, I feel like you just have, you're, you're such an interesting human being. So like, is it weird for you? You obviously are a very attractive woman. Like you, yeah, I know it's just all about the compliments. Like, oh, I just take it. Attractive woman, you, you're, you're kick-ass at Counter-Strike. You know your shit. I mean, is that difficult now when, because I'm presuming the majority of, of sort of, men that you're in contact with or either in the gaming community but what happens when you meet someone who's not a gamer i mean is it difficult for you to try and explain your job and what you do in your spare time to them uh it has been yeah but uh, i think usually you, you kind of have a tendency of ending up with uh, someone who actually really plays uh, video games and uh, uh yeah it's uh, <laughs> it can be uh, it can be tricky but uh, I think it's easy, it's like every, most men, right? They, they have had uh, some <laughs> experience playing some sort of video games, right? But uh, if they want to know more, they can just go on, uh, I don't know, my Twitter, Twitch, uh, Instagram. Usually it's uh, kind of like, okay, guys, uh, dude, I have to tell you something about uh, me. Let's say there's someone that I match with on Tinder, <laughs> and before before I let them slide in my DMs, I always have to warn them because that's not usually something that I uh, necessarily broadcast out uh, there. That uh, I used to be a professional uh, gamer and that I do this sort of work, and uh, so yeah, this uh, warning. I'm kind of a geek. I'm uh, really I'm a gamer, <laughs> and. That's a big part of uh, who I am. So mostly uh, met with a uh, positive, a <laughs> uh, positive uh, vibe or like, ah, oh, it's cool. But uh, yeah, some what do you call it? Uh, some uh, misconceptions, I think, as well. That uh, is kind of stuck because esports isn't kind of uh, fully like adopted as a kind of work in uh, Norway. It's kind of um, uh, strange. I had one, <laughs> I have one horrible Tinder date. Where... Oh gosh, I didn't expect you to share your <laughs> Tinder dates, but if you want to, like, go right ahead. <laughs> no, man, this, this is just an example, a perfect example of what, uh, what not to do, what not to say to a woman if she's a gamer and you are so fortunate to go on a date with her. Uh, 
was uh, having uh, coffee, had a uh, walked for a little hike, and then I had coffee at this guy's uh, place, just uh, having conversation. And of course, I had told him about that I'm gaming and streaming on uh, Twitch and stuff like that. And then he straight up asked if I was only also doing like OnlyFans and if I was like, it was had the impression that I was selling my body to be able to make a living. And he said that like straight to my face. And I wish that I, my only reply was literally, how can you, we've been having good conversation and I want to hike you probably having a solo conversation for like two, three hours. And that is the impression that you sit after all that we've been talking about. You know, fuck you. And I I went up and I just uh, left. Never spoke to the guy again. Good for you. I mean, it's also like, it's a weird one. The reason I brought this conversation up is because I've been chatting to a couple of, of men in the industry and we've been talking a lot about their lives and they, they all mention about the travel and how difficult it is, you know, whether you're a player or you're working on the broadcast team, how you're so isolated from everyone. You tend to only be surrounded by the people you're working with. If you're in broadcast or if you're a player, you know, you're stuck with your teammates. You don't have a social life outside of that. But I do think that there is a whole different dimension that comes with it when you're a woman as well in a space where you're dealing predominantly, you're working predominantly with men, you know, you're traveling predominantly with men. There's, there's that whole thing. Like you said, there's these misconceptions from the outside world um, and also obviously like the stresses that it builds in terms of trying to balance those out. So I wanted to get your insights and what we've learned is that you had a terrible Tinder date uh, and I'm really <laughs> yes. glad that you walked on out of that. But I'm, I'm curious from a from something that I've always wanted to know. You, I worked with you in Valencia. You were this incredible analyst on the desk. It was for ESL Impact. Do you think it's time that we see a woman analyst at some of the big events because that's something that I think has been missing for a while and I feel this is my moment to kind of hype you up I feel like you need to be at a big Intel Extreme Masters or a major because I think you, you've got what it takes but why do you think we don't see women analysts on the analyst desk at the moment at the moment because there's not anyone with that experience right Who who's uh, uh, merited and has the work experience to do so we were very fortunate that we had uh, Potter uh, for a while which was she was absolutely brilliant and I uh, kind of miss her uh, but really no one has stepped into that scene and said that okay I am going to do this job because of course when uh, when I'm coming in and I, and I have been playing Counter-Strike for 20 years that's that's uh, kind of my resume right there that I've been uh, involved in uh, for almost most of my life, right? And uh, usually when when uh, girls are retiring or stop to to play, venturing into this uh, sort of a analyst job isn't something that is coming to to mind uh, initially. Usually we we quit we maybe uh, have studied next to the uh, gaming. We have another career that we have lined up for ourselves. And I don't think that I would have uh, been in the role that I am right now, unless I had that previous work experience being basically headhunted by uh, the Norwegian uh, TV project. 
And uh, that's the first time that I actually thought that I could do this sort of uh, work. And uh, I think I was uh, uh, very, I was very fortunate as well to be onboarded early with uh, with the Impact League and getting that kind of experience uh, doing it in English as well, because I find it uh, more challenging as English is not my native language. I sometimes struggle to find my words and uh, get uh, properly convey my thoughts and my ideas. But I think with practice, it's going to, of course, uh, improve as well. So thank you for your kind words, Sam. And I think you're absolutely brilliant as a desk host uh, yourself. I mean, let's just, this is going to turn into the happy each other up cheer for one another <laughs> podcast. Uh, I always ask this question because it's, it's my favorite one to ask, but obviously we're all fans of competitive Counter-Strike. Do you remember the first time you had an opportunity to see a player that you were just, that you looked up to or had an opportunity to meet that player in real life because of your career? Uh, do you remember who the player is? What, what was that experience like? Uh, that was, uh, I met uh, uh, Scream. 1.6 player. He was at the gathering playing uh, like a shootout for uh, QPAV. So I got to meet him. That was a very brief uh, <laughs> interaction. And uh, we, of course, uh, we, when we were boot camp, we were going to, to the first ESWC. I met Anouk, which is, uh, she is a female player. I don't think she's doing it like, on TV or something in Spain. But uh, she was a big role model for me. And uh, who else? We had uh, one Norwegian player that was playing. I got to meet uh, him. And of course, I had a great moment. We were uh, boot camping with uh, uh, the former NIP lineup with uh, Valle, Inns, Set, And I don't remember who was playing there, but getting to boot camp in the, like, the neighboring room with the uh, NIP but they were like, at their prime back in the day. So it's like super uh, exciting and uh, yeah, really, <laughs> really fun. Did play uh, one versus one against uh, Seth on uh, AMOP. I really wanted to play against uh, Valle, but uh, he didn't want to. <laughs> I was a beast on uh, AMOP. That was my favorite. And uh, to this day, I have remained undefeated. And uh, will uh, <laughs> be going into history and defeated as well because I'm never playing uh, a never doing it again. again. I love <laughs> no. your undefeated retirement notes. I absolutely hate playing uh, one versus uh, one against people. Funny to think about when I was doing like shootouts uh, <laughs> at all these events with uh, people. Another, I think in the like more current uh, times, uh, I feel like Simple is a fantastic uh, person and he is always uh, very uh, kind and nice to, to hang out with. And I remember uh, as well meeting Perfecto. He was such a gentleman. That was, uh, that was absolutely lovely. So the guys in Navi, they are uh, proper gentlemen. To, to put it like that. I'm a little bit jealous that you've had the opportunity to meet Simple, but we'll we'll box that. Uh, oh, my... you're gonna get, oh you will meet Simple one day too. One day I hope so. And, uh, yeah. 
for fan our fangirl, so it'll be fun. But the final question that, that I always close this on, uh, and it's probably the most difficult. Why do you love Counter-Strike? Oh, what's not to love about Counter-Strike? Sam, hello, <laughs> it has everything. It has uh, headshots. It's got the, the flash. And, uh, I don't know. It's uh, the competitive nature. And for me, it's like... Um, it's so much more than just a headshot. It's a it's a game of chess. It really like you have to to have your brain working at all times, and uh, I think that's the what uh, is the most challenging as well. Trying to read your opponent, try to to find a little edge that's gonna give you some advantage. A lot of uh, a lot of thinking that goes into to Counter Strike. Yeah, you can't. You can, of course, uh, win if you just run around and shoot headshots. But I think on the competitive and on the as uh, higher up as you get in the levels, uh, you you really the brain power has a lot to do with how well you're gonna be able to to play the game. You've been listening or watching to Tech Goal Talks. I hope that you enjoyed this particular episode. If you did. Please, feedback. You can reach out to me at TechGolZA on social media. I've also dropped all Hedgy social media in the comments below. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please hit subscribe on whichever platform you're following or listening on. Mm-hmm.